Welcome to episode number two of I'd Rather Be at the Beach, brought to you by the Bonjour Agency. This is the podcast for school marketing people that's nothing to do with school marketing, because let's face it, you work hard enough already, so this is just for fun. Now, in each episode, I speak to someone in the sector who won't talk about work, but we get to find out more about them as a person. And in this episode, I'm speaking to someone who isn't a school marketing manager, but I think it's someone that you'll know. Dominic Moon is a senior education consultant at Metropolis, a business that represents and promotes UK boarding schools around the world. But of course, we don't talk about that because that's work. Instead, Dominic opens up about what he used to do before working in the education sector, whether or not he's bothering with January New Year resolutions, and we talk about how he manages to switch off from work. Very fitting for this podcast channel. But we also find out which decade of music is his favourite. What do you think it is? 70s? 70s? 80s, 90s, or something completely unexpected? Find out in this episode. So whether you're driving to school, walking the dog, or hitting the treadmill in your local gym, buckle up for some fun as we find out about the person who is Dominic Moon. Dominic, thank you for being here and welcome to this episode of the podcast. How are you doing today? Uh, hi, Simon. Yeah, really good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's an exciting opportunity to speak to people, and I'm really pleased that you're you're launching this. I I love podcasts myself, and I think they're a, a really great to, uh, way to engage. Uh, we have to keep it short, of course. I'm just about to head out in the car. I've got the wife, I've got the, the two kids, got the dog, got the car packed. Ready to go and see some family because obviously it's uh, it's the weekend today, so it's uh, it's exciting times. Off to sunny Wolverhampton. If you if anybody out there is interested in where we're heading off to uh, on this weekend. Awesome, Wolverhampton. I I don't I haven't been to Wolverhampton for a long time, but but what what part of the country are you travelling from in order to get there in that case? Yes, so in Epsom, in Surrey. So I, I've got Epsom College on on the doorstep, that kind of thing, and we're heading up to Wolverhampton, where where I'm originally from. I do say Shropshire. I don't tend to say Wolverhampton <laughs> too much. Uh, there was a there was a there was a there was a hurricane uh, there a few a uh, few years ago, and it caused caused five million pounds worth of improvements. I was told. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. So yeah, but it's 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 home turf. It's where you're from, and and. Of course, I'm from Wolverhampton, and therefore I am a Wolverhampton Wanderers football fan as oh, well. Oh, there we go. So Now, Dominic, you mentioned that you listen to a couple of other podcasts. Just for the sake of the audience and for fun, what, what other podcasts do you listen to? Yeah, well, trying to get some comedy podcasts in, but I'm, I'm a bit of a... I've got addicted to Desert Island Discs, which this really makes me feel like Desert Island Discs a little bit. And I know it's not necessarily podcast, but they've pod put them in that format now. Mm. And uh, just the way the these famous people open up and some of them start crying over the songs that have sort of sparked their, their childhoods and memories, uh, I think it's just a brilliant way of, 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 of hearing that, really. And mm. if you're running along or you're... Yeah, a lot of our, lot of our friends are runners and that kind of stuff it's just a really good way to to digest it i think okay so dominic some people listening to this podcast episode right now they might know who you are they might know a little bit about you Uh, some people listening might not know anything at all about you so without talking too much about work tell us a little bit about what you do and how you work with school marketing managers okay yeah so our company is metropolis education we effectively have a subscription-based model where, uh, well, at the moment, we have 200 UK boarding schools who are part of our gang, part of our what we call now our community, and we just we're just there to help them a, a little bit like yourself sometimes, Simon, where you're there for advice and help by having a collective, a bit like the Borg. We have we have a collective brain of 200 schools all funneling into to me, mm-hmm. and then people ask me for advice and help, and I sort of channel that information, and if I don't know the answer. I'll get the answer and kind of the the 
the portfolios has morphed on from there. But they're all friends. That's that's my I work with all my friends, which is truly wonderful. So yeah, that that's sort of without going into it too much. That's that's kind of what we do. We do fairs and and overseas fairs and guides and and websites that kind of stuff. Awesome, awesome. And is Metropolis your business? Is that something you founded yourself? No, I've been doing it for seventeen years, but it was Daily Mail Group who launched it as uh, Hobson's Hobson's Boarding Schools Guide twenty five years ago. So it's our twenty fifth birthday, and by various recessions, they got they got sold on, and our company bought it, and we're quite a big company now. We call it EMAP, mm-hmm. so we do lots of lots of different sort of publishing and media titles and uh, I, I sit in the little corner in the office with myself and my colleagues and everybody just tends to leave us alone because we're a unique product in many ways we don't sort of stick to the the the, the, the big business picture and format because of the intimate nature of what we do so it's, that's exciting I, I love it wouldn't change it for the world so let's jump back to a second then to the time in your life when you were leaving the world of education as a recipient of it. I mean, not many people, I think, would step out of education and think, I know, I want to work in a business that's working with boarding schools uh, around the country, around the world. How did you actually fall into this? And what were you doing beforehand that led you into this? Yeah. So when I left school, we'd just done our GCSEs and I went straight to work. I was a golf professional. So my brother before me was a golfer. My dad's a golfer. My mum's a golfer. Uh, all my friends were golfers, and I was uh, I was fortunate to be pretty good, and I decided to become a qualified golf professional, and then chance my arm at, um, at playing tournaments and that kind of stuff, and soon realised that it's a pretty tough gig, no matter how good I was as an amateur, playing for the pro ranks is is different, and then I chanced my arm at teaching golf to to uh, members of the club where I was attached to, and that was when I realised. Oh, teaching was not for me. The, I don't know how people do it. The frustrations of <laughs> and the disappointment of my my students failing en masse and then saying, I'm having lessons off Dom. I'm going, no, no, please don't say that. You haven't practiced for two weeks. You've been on holiday for a month and you're coming back and telling everybody that the result of my coaching is you hitting it out of bounds every five seconds. Mm. So, yeah, so I, 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 I soon had to quit that to sort of eight years. And I was ready to move, and then I I went into sales, and I worked for Yellow Pages and the, the Thompson Directories, and and ended up at a, at a big publishing company. And one day, a lady called Anna walked in, and she was running this title called UK Boarding Schools Guide, and she said, "I'm going to be working with you for a year before I head off," and that's what we did. And I was wow. Like, okay, boarding schools. And that was 17 years ago, and so I don't know, 600, 700 visits later, and thousands of boarding houses later. Yeah, I'm still here, still standing, still still flying the flag, still really enjoying it. I think it's the most exciting time for us at the moment, to mm. be honest with you, for various reasons. And you can be half empty and half full, and we're very much half full. And similar colleagues like yourself and across the, the spectrum are really stepping up and helping out. And it's so it's very interesting. So not the, not the straightest line. <laughs> No, it's a little bit zigzaggy. A, a little bit zigzag, and you, you you mentioned about sales and yellow pages. I mean, sales and yellow pages strikes me as probably the most kind of not hardcore selling that you can do. But I mean, that's that's pretty raw selling, isn't it? It is, and I, I was now you see you've talked got me to another route because I I always don't mention this. Cause I'm too embarrassed. Was I actually did door to door sales for for two and a half years? Oh well, that's the ultimate level, isn't it? <laughs> it was horrible. I earned a lot of money for a very short period, but it was when you're having to open your car door and there's snow outside the door, and then you've you've been given a street, and your boss says 
go and hit that street and you're selling them cable television and cable telephone, mm. it's demoralising. And you have to do it in the evening. So, you, you know, your last door that you were allowed to knock on was at 9pm. So imagine your door being knocked on a winter's night mm. and there's some chap standing in front of you saying, hello, I'm going to save you money on your phone bill and do you want to watch Sky TV? It's mm. terrifying. But I quickly got out of that and went in yellow pages. So, yeah, we used to make uh, 200 phone calls on a Monday. Uh, every week and all your appointments for the rest of the week you were given really strict targets and if you failed that you kind of you're out on your ear so I did two and a half years knocking doors believe it or not mm-hmm. and then three years for the directories everybody's trying to work out my age now you see just mm-hmm. turn 50 everybody <laughs> mm-hmm. and so that was really I mean the best grounding you could possibly have and mm-hmm. it's standing us in very good stead now mm-hmm. where things are going a bit pear-shaped and the the, the true business acumens that we've we've got and the and the drive and the the hard work is kind of working that those kind of old school dare i say mm. philosophies really mm. but yeah mm. not the straightest line at all okay so you you've mentioned a couple of things then you you mentioned that you just turned 50 and you mentioned that you did GCSE so i'm going to guess you you were probably the first year of doing GCSEs is that right Yes, yeah, so normally most most leavers plant a tree saying thank you to the 1986 leavers, whatever. We mm-hmm. we had a concrete guinea pig because that was very much how we felt, <laughs> uh, and I think it's still standing to this day. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a mess. It really was a fabulous mess. But you know, it was secondary to me because I was spending all my waking hours playing golf, hitting golf balls, practicing. I'd already got my jobs lined up for when I, you know, when I left school. It was that or the RAF because I wasn't too far away from RAF Cosford. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of the members at my golf club were, were RAF pilots and engineers. And they said, Dom, you'll play golf all the time if you get in the RAF because you'll just be part of the RAF golf team. Mm-hmm. So that was that was a, a, a fleeting moment. I thought, oh, I could be in the RAF. But the job I had was too too good to turn down. It was a really prestigious club with some really top players. So I wanted to, to, to grab that with both hands and see where it took me, really. But, you know, the the amount of failed professional somethings out there, whatever sport there is, uh, you know, you could fill a stadium, I'm, I'm sure. Mm. So it's, as I say, wouldn't change it for the world. Do you ever regret not joining the RAF then? Do you ever wonder what life would be like for you had you actually done that? I, I do it sometimes. I'm not really a, a regretful person, always half half full, not half empty. But I, I do like the, the majesty about armed services. Obviously, being in, in the sector that we are, it's it's prominent. And, you know, it's quite an emotional connection as well. My, my father was in the, the army. Grandparents, you know, died you know, in war. And my, my grandfather's in the RAF. Mm. So you have these kind of things. And it just, the, the, the dominoes didn't fall quite, that way, uh, for a positive reason, not a negative reason. So mm. it was, it was golf. I was just so in love with sport. Anyway, mm. the funny, I, I, my true, my truest love was rugby. Okay. And I used to play for Wolverhampton Rugby Club, and I, I never forget the moment where I was so keen to play, but I, I, I was on the edge of getting in the England side for golf, and and one of the one of my, I think my dad or one of the people said, you know, Dom's really good at golf to the coach. And the coach was quite happy to come and tell me that I didn't really need to play rugby anymore because he'd heard I was a good golfer. And I was just gutted. Mm. <laughs> you know, that, that moment, that was my my rugby career gone. Because <laughs> it, uh, it, it was my first love mm. as a sport. But uh, yeah, no, no regrets, Simon. Okay, so here we are then at the start of 
2022, some people tend to set New Year's resolutions. Other people say resolutions at New Year are, are not a good approach because they never last for very long and it's better to have sort of life resolutions instead. What's your approach to this? Do you have New Year's resolutions? Used to. Not anymore. I have a, have a life resolution now, which is to enjoy it more. I think recent events, and a lot of people I think are on the same page here, is I'm, I'm going to try and live a good life and be happy and be more connected with family and friends and try to sort of drink up every moment that you have mm. rather than run around with my hair on fire, getting stressed out about meetings and strategy and this that the other uh, I think my work-life balance has really flipped he says that as we're both here on a weekend but (laughs) don't tell anyone (laughs) it's not as if I no it's not as if I don't give up that time another time so I'm I'm quite happy to figure it all out during a a 7 to 14 day period and have my cake and eat it and I think we should all strive to to manage our own personal life that balance mm. far far better mm. uh, and, and and I will say this to our marketing people out there who cannot switch off and, and, and a lot of them are my friends we constantly saying about you know closing the laptop putting it away mm. uh, and, and and stepping away from your, your business because it's it's painful otherwise it's it's the it's a very slippery slope mm. and mm. I'm trying to live that mantra not mm. easy but I'm, I'm trying but and the usual stuff Trying to have a dry January, try to eat less, try to exercise more. <laughs> but that's that's always written there, never gets ticked off, never gets crossed out. Tell me some of the techniques you employ to try not to to do too much work. I mean, closing the laptop is one thing, but of course, our, our, our smartphones and iPhones tend to ping every five minutes whenever there's a new email coming in. Do you engage in these, some of these approaches to sort of, you know, silence your phone after 6pm or something like that? Yeah, 100%. So the blue light thing, I try and encourage all my family to do this. So my phone's downstairs after a certain period and, and you know, for bedtime, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, fortunately now, I, I, I've kind of got into the habit of it, which I think it's a habit to get, you know, the world, it will still, if it's broken now, it'll still be broken when you wake up and you'll mm. be able to fix it. Mm. And just having those moments of clarity and, and not freaking out every five seconds. Mm. You'll know when the time to freak out is because you'll know it because your experience tells you, but I tend to have a bit of a rhythm and a pattern to my day. I like to get up early, so I'll start working early. And then if it's summer, I'll play golf, you know, guilt-free from three o'clock. Yeah. And and, and you have to carve carve the time. Even if you put it in your diaries as time for you, you, you can do that. Mm. But it, it's, it depends on what's in front of you. There are busier times than others, of course. But I did, I, I did have this one thing uh, last year, which I took three weeks off during the summer. And for the first sort of four or five days, I was sort of like an airplane sort of coming into land. I was, I was, I was sort of weaning myself off the electronics. Mm-hmm. And then for 10 days in the centre, complete blackout. Oh, for 10 whole days? Yeah. And then coming out the other side, ready for takeoff again, started to reintroduce it. And that 10 days was the most effective in terms of recuperation and switching my brain off. And I'd already said to myself and set my stall out way before this is what I'm going to do. And I told everybody, this is what I'm going to do. And I made it very clear on my out of offices as well, which which is, I think is absolutely critical mm. uh, for out of offices to say, no, go away. I can't help you. Mm. And I'm not going to be able to help you. And if you're there when I come back, I may be able to help you. Mm. <laughs> but hopefully by which point your problem's gone away. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to bet that some of the people listening to this right now love the idea of having 10 days of no 
devices at all, but there's a small part of them that would be filled with mini horror, partially for the idea of of FOMO, of course. Uh, How did you cope with that fear of missing out during those 10 days? Yeah, well, the realisation at the end of it that I wasn't quite as important as I thought I was, and the problems do go away. So <laughs> it was, it was. I was on holiday. It was on, and, and, and the out of office. It was a big thing. It was, it was a very, very clear statement of of what I was going to do, mm. and there was no ambiguity at all. It was go away. Mm. I'm off, and I've mm. got the dog, and I'm climbing a mountain. I'm in the beach, and I'm jumping in the. I'm in Abu Dhabi, and I'm and I'm jumping off the pier, mm. and and that was that was it, and. It was very clear, <laughs> and I think from that point on, it was I, I knew I was going to be okay. I, I also knew that if there was something dreadfully wrong, mm. that the the WhatsApp would light up or something yeah. like that. Yeah. But it, it, the the work emails were were gone, and it mm. was it was very very clear. And I think everybody should, you know, just take just understand that there are other people out there who can provide solutions. And they come to our people, marketing and emissions people. Often is because we go, we can do people. That's that's the life. And it's easy for other people to ask marketing emissions people for a solution because they can't be bothered to do it themselves. Yeah. <laughs> if yeah. you just say no, yeah. it, it tends to it tends to the ship tends to right itself quite easily. Yeah, I promise you. It's funny, you just reminded me there of a story of a, a, a guy I know who runs his own business, and he had a subfolder where it was filled with emails of things that he needed to action. So he hadn't he hadn't created a task for it. They were just sat there ready for him to action. And he had something like 200 emails in there. And then something happened with his email account. The IT department got involved and they accidentally deleted that whole folder. I don't quite know how it happened, but all 200 emails disappeared. And he, he went into a right panic because now he had no way of tracking all of these things that he needed to do. And so he thought to himself, well, I wonder what's going to happen now and over the course of the next sort of three four weeks something like 15 out of those 200 emails came back to haunt him a little bit people saying why haven't you done this because I really really need this and he had to apologize and then get on with it but all of the others just kind of disappeared and he realized that actually like you like you're saying he felt like he wasn't actually as important as he thought he was and all of these problems just disappeared and it took a huge burden off his shoulders that there's a lot to be said for if you deleted your inbox what would be the the outcome mm. and mm. as you say i don't think it'd be quite as quite as drastic as people say now I, I would go one step further and say not your incoming from outside but all your internal emails just delete the lot mm. or all, all these academic staff or support staff or whoever emailing into the marketing departments because it's it's easier and oh yeah they'll sort it for me that kind of attitude bugger that honestly yeah. Just delete yeah. the lot, and you'll save an hour a day, an hour. And I always say that this is sort of when we do we do. I mean, we do do training on different things of marketing and missions, but the best thing you can have is a a post-it note or or a sign which says "interview in progress" on your door. Mm. Put it on the front of your door of your office, yeah. and that will keep a lot of the noise yeah. away. And yeah. I think that's a, that's a huge that's one hundred and one huge time saving uh, strategy. Is yeah. if you keep all the people from inside your business away from you, you can actually focus on the real stuff, which is you know attracting and getting people really excited mm. about what it is that we do no um, i love it i love it yeah it's, it, I, I i do sympathize with everybody on this it's just you've got to just stick that flag there and say that's enough's enough now mm. and i feel i feel better for it you know it's i'm sleeping better i, I feel more comfortable in myself and uh, maybe it's one of those 50 i've just turned 50 so i'm sort of maybe the i've got more chris i've got more christmases behind me than i have in front of me <laughs> 
Now, Dominic, this podcast is called I'd Rather Be at the Beach. Do you prefer beach holidays to winter holidays or are you more of a skis slash snowboard kind of person? I'm a beach person at the moment. Uh, I've always been told that if I was a skier, I'd never ever hit the beach again. Mm-hmm. My friend said, if you go once, Dominic, that would be it. So it's just one of those things that's never really happened. But we we do spend a lot of time at the beach or in the hills or walking or hiking around. We're also cyclists, my son and I. So he's a BMX racer. So we spend a lot of our time on on dirt bikes, jumping things and jumping over things awesome. and that kind of thing. Mm. So, it's, yeah, it's it's uh, very... Uh, as long as we're outside, quite frankly, Simon, I don't care. Not a big subscriber to being inside on the on the electronics, so mm. uh, we're, we're pretty well disciplined here. Beach <laughs> is in answer, yeah. And and we, we're coming to the end of this episode, but a couple of quick questions. If you're in the car driving somewhere on a long journey and you're on your own, you're not three hours with the family, what sort of music would you listen to in the car? Right, okay, so it's 80s all day for me. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> Anywhere there's 80s music, you'll, you'll see me doing a running man or some sort of uh, <laughs> imitation of a running man, quite famously in many cases. Um, I love songs you can dance the lyrics, crying in my eyes, pointing over, you know, uh, <laughs> that, that kind of um, which are 80s songs. If you think about it, when you listen back, you think, yeah, you can actually dance the lyrics on some of these. It's quite fun. But 80s, yeah. uh, if, and then... If I'm uh, if there's any sport on, if there's cricket on or any sporting occasion, then that gets priority because I'm a bit of a sports nut. Mm. So that'll be five live mm. sport or talk sport or some some description. Yeah. So which eighties bands or singers would you choose to listen to then? All of them, like, all of them, and because they're so some of them are so cheesy. Well, like Wham, George Michael, stuff like that. Yeah, Spandau. You got you got all all sort. I mean, there isn't. You got the one hit wonders. You got the Kajagoogas of the world. You got tight fit with the lion sleeps tonight. You've got, you've mm, got yeah. uh, Agadu. You've got, you've got. This is the, it's just a <laughs> smorgasbord of crazy music. And you've got, you've got some. You know, you got the U twos of the world. And you got uh, Michael Jackson, as you say. But you've got mm. some, uh, Joe Dolce. Shut up your face. Oh yeah, keeping yeah. Ultravox off number one. Remember mm. famously, mm. that's just insane but that's the that was the insanity of the 80s right when i first started clubbing had to wear a suit big shoulder pads had my hair was a bit peroxide blonde a bit of a mullet loved it brilliant brilliant it's funny you mentioned spanner ballet i I was playing through the barricades in the car yesterday oh yeah tune and that's that's when you are really it's you just you're just shouting tune everybody every time something comes on (laughs) at the top of your voice (laughs) tune it's another tune (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> love it brilliant yeah. brilliant Dom we need to leave you to jump in the car with the family I don't want to hold you up at all just wanted to say thank you though for being here thanks for opening up sharing your life with uh, with me with the school marketing managers with school marketing teams that are listening to this but I really appreciate your time especially here at the weekend thank you no, thanks Simon it's been an absolute pleasure so that was Dominic Moon from Metropolis. Who knew that he was into a bit of Kajagoogoo? Dom, it was great talking to you. I knew it would be though. And I hope you had a safe drive in the car with the family. Your poor passengers must have enjoyed some of your music tastes in the car too. So do send them our regards. Now, the next episode is coming out soon and this is still a new podcast channel. So click that option to follow or subscribe. And then it just means that you won't miss the next episode. To find out more about podcasting in your school for your own marketing purposes, then come visit our website, thebonjouragency.com, and you can find out more there. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this episode, and I'll see you in the next one. Bye for now.